Deidre, what's going on? Nothing much. Just living the dream, Joey. How are you? I'm good. What version of the dream are you living today? Today, I live in the dream in which most of my nightmares or struggles have been been overcome or, you know, and right now I'm just enjoying the the fun, mystical kind of unicorn dreams. So the fun stuff yeah, right now. I mean, it's always a good day when unicorns are involved. At least that's what my daughter <laughs> tells me. Um, exactly. All right. Well, uh, that's interesting. So, uh, you know, what has it been like? I mean, you know, you operate, uh, you know, we all kind of like, you know, operate in this space. What's what is your unicorn of insurance right now? Yeah. So my platform is basically I help insurance companies create um, and maximize diversity and inclusion resources for their talent and business needs. And on the other side, I also help empower professionals to build personal brands to help them reach their career goals. Personal brands. Now, that is something that is maybe uh, maybe uh, not fully supported yet, uh, you know, in a widespread situation across the industry. I mean, what I mean, because that's something that, you know, a lot of agencies maybe get uncomfortable with. Am I have you experienced the same thing? Yeah, so it's interesting. So my background, I was a commercial insurance broker at Marsh and then also at Aon. So I have that background and I joined business insurance a little over a year ago to lead their diversity inclusion institute. And I found that for those people who want to drive their career, advance multiple levels, advance from a salary and, and um, benefit standpoint, you have to lead personal brands. They're going to be an impression there no matter what, but you want to have it. So you're setting your best foot forward. So clients come to you as a resource and companies recognize you as their superstar. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing that drives me crazy is, you know, there's this insecurity is probably a strong word just around that idea of, of giving so much of that away to the employee, right? To where it's mm -hmm. something that could walk out the door to another opportunity. Uh, and they feel like that is somehow there's an imbalance of power in that way. Is this something that just we need to recalibrate the scales for? Yes, we need to, because from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, you want authentic leaders leading the best way they know how, being true to themselves, attracting customers who might like their their personal brand. So there's introverts who are leaders, just like there's extroverts. So you want people to articulate their expertise, but also in a manner that is compelling and true to themselves. So they feel comfortable at the workplace and they attract customers who like what they're doing. We Insurance, anyone can sell it. Anyone can advise on it, but they're really buying it to you and that your company has the best experts out there to sell and advise them on what's best for their company and meeting their company goals. So I think it's very important. And companies are getting into that, um, slowly getting into the point where they're they're really leading company, leading their employees to do this. But I think it's on the professional if they really want to own their career and have, honestly, I would say more security in their company is to be an external leader so that internally they're recognized and respected. Yeah, I mean that can that can cause, I guess, probably internal problems if you know certain people mm -hmm. like you know I'm, I I don't know what we want that's like I, I want to I want to touch on something you said you said compelling right yeah and that is the biggest wild card right when you think of compelling and you think of insurance those those are things that are generally hard to you know make come together and building a personal brand or really creating content or putting you know expertise out there in a compelling fashion, that's a hard combination to find. 
Yeah. Would you, would you would you agree with that statement or are we just not looking in the right places? You know what's funny, um, Joey? I honestly think the opposite. I think because our industry has such a bad reputation, it's easier to be a superstar in this space. You know, you have technology, which is sexy. You have marketing, you have sales or whatever. But insurance, people already think one, one is boring. And two, that you're out to get me, right? But if you come in, you know, energetic, passionate about this field, telling companies, I can help you reach your goals by either protecting you from issues or figure out ways to finance stuff that's in a good way. People are like, wow, like you're confident, you love this, you're passionate. They will gravitate towards you. So I honestly think it's the less sexy industries that have better opportunity for someone to have a personal brand because they don't expect it. So when you come with your A game, people are really impressed, like, wow, like, she must be an expert. He must be an expert because they're passionate about it and they make it sound fun and interesting when everyone else makes it sound like blah. I know. Believe me, I mean, just being able to string three coherent sentences together is like this borderline <laughs> standing out. Like, no, from a message, from the, from that, you are, I, we completely agree on that. I guess my point is I've seen so many bad insurance videos that oh, yeah. execution wise is where I question the viability of that compellingness, right? So it's, how do we mm-hmm. how do we coax more of that? Because like you said, and I've always said it too, it's like they're they're being awesome doing these things every single day. They're just not getting it. They're not they're not putting it in a place that people can find it, uh, you know, on a scalable level. And that's the missing component, yeah. in my opinion. And that's the frustrating part that I see. I think people don't understand it's an art to it and the skill set. They think, yeah. oh, well, anyone can do it. You know, it doesn't take much skill, but you have to practice every day. Um, on one of your past episodes, I, I heard you say, like, the first time you do something, you're going to bomb. <laughs> but you have to be open to practicing skill sets that you feel uncomfortable. That's public speaking. That's video presence. I'll tell you, the reason why I started public speaking is because I didn't like my voice. I felt nervous in client in small client meetings. I felt nervous um, with two, three people talking about renewal strategies or whatever. But I forced myself outside my comfort zone by going to publicly speak at crowds of 300 plus people because I knew if I get better at this, I will set myself apart from my, my peers. I will reach more uh, potential customers and clients who really need my services and the way I can help um, fulfill them for them. So I think it's just a matter of having the mindset that this does not come natural, but you or anybody can learn this if they put in the effort to get those skills and learn how to do it. I mean, what was that like uh, being in the big machines of of the marshes and the ants of the world? And, you know, kind of were, were, were they supportive of these endeavors? And, and what does it look like to stand out there again? Because it's, you know, there's that's that's competition on a level that most independent agents don't know. Uh, right. and, and pushing outside of those comfort zones. How How did that work for you? Well, see, it was interesting because there, no matter what you want to call it, there's always reputation, right? Personal brand. Rep- so you always heard certain people's names get brought up multiple times, whether they were senior level or, or not, because they had a reputation for excellent service, for great interpersonal skills. So I would say it it, it is more competitive at a large uh, global company where you have at the time it was 65,000 peers, you know, working with you. Yeah. But I would say I felt always on top of my A game because I was with smart, intelligent people. Um, but I think what made me unique is my background. Like I did not come in from with a finance degree or I came in with a sociology and anthropology degree. I knew people and cultures and, and thought processes. So I think that helped set me apart. Additionally, I had a marketing background. So 
when I would deliver information, the same renewal strategy, meeting information or whatever, I would have my own flair on it because I knew how to market. I, I leveraged LinkedIn and social media to to share insights from Marsh um, reports and put my spin on it. Hey, here's my thoughts about this with casualty. Here's our report go. So I'm driving more traffic to our website and, and also showing myself as a thought leader in this place because we have more resources. So I think it's more competitive at larger companies, but you also have resources you can leverage. But the most important key thing is please share your perspective. I really don't like when people are on social media, they just share something. It's like, okay, what's your opinion about this? Why should we care to read it? What's the top three takeaways from this article or whatever? Um, yeah. That's kind of the thing. So it, I mean, there's always going to be comp- competition no matter where you go, but I think it's just leverage the resources and show your unique um, capabilities so you can stand out amongst the crowd. Well, that's, I mean, the, having opinions, it's easy, <laughs> but it's hard to do it publicly and coherently. And there's a, a lot of fear there because um, people are afraid of what they're ultimately going to think of your opinion, right? It's easy to share mm-hmm. something and not really give any any sort of background to it. What, I mean, do you have an experience of, I'd, I'd be curious, you know, when somebody just kind of, you, you got like one of like the most, we'll say disrespectful, like, you know, comments on your opinion, right? Like if somebody just saying probably yeah. one of the worst things you can imagine, like, man, like I, I wish you would have agreed with me again. I, you know, I've, I've posted tons of videos on YouTube and things like that. And, you know, talking about health insurance and people don't like health insurance and uh, you yeah. hear all sorts of things. So it's like, wh- how do you, how do you much like the, you're going to fail on video the first time. How do you kind of help somebody get over that? Um, you know, I just say, just, uh, just get over it. Like it take the, it's the <laughs> ego, take the ego out of it. Yeah. It's not about you. And it's sometimes people have, you know, maybe they don't like the topic healthcare. Maybe they don't like, you know, insurance brokers or agents in general, but yeah. I say just take the ego out of it. Don't let someone else's small mindedness take away from your advancement in your career. Now there is critical feedback you can take if it's, you know, the, camera quality sucks, maybe better that, you know, but I don't think stop that. I, I try to turn that to opportunities. I'll give you kind of two examples. I have one example where the senior person I was working with, um, who told me, you know, Deidre, you're too bold. Like you need to be more quiet. You know, the whole social media thing, tone that down. And I took that with a grain of salt because I'm like, you know, at first I was like, man, maybe I should be more meek. Maybe I'll fit in better that way. But I knew that no one could do it like I could do it. So let me start just making those waves and and I and I'm seeing results. So clearly there's some kind of value in having a social media presence and sharing um, insurance careers, share insurance um, capabilities and stuff like that. So that was some feedback that wasn't positive and I just shook it off because I like I see results, although I know conventionally people say don't don't stand out. It's not a good thing. Another example is um, I I had a comment on LinkedIn or someone had a post on LinkedIn talking about insurance magazines and like whether they're needed or not because we have social media and other ways to um, create information or get information. I, I commented saying, hey, I know our we have the best reporters. They're on the ground. They 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 turn over information so quickly. They're hardworking. They're quality. Like, you know, yes, I understand there's a need for social media and other resources, but don't don't discredit what they're doing. And here, I want to promote my, my company. And then I turned that in from a situation where someone was, you know, let's say talking, talking, not so positively, sorry, not so positively about newspapers and got it. So he has a free subscription 
and, you know, interested in what we have to offer. So I think it's just one, knowing the source of information or criticism and seeing if you need to apply it or not. And two, sometimes identifying those criticisms or negative things as an opportunity to actually promote your brand and win over a fan versus flame uh, a hater. And that, like you said, a lot of times that feedback is just going to be in some ways controlling. And that's crazy. You know, somebody says tone it down. But how, so this is the other thing too, having the the dedication and maybe the patience to kind of endure that um, because they're not maybe paying attention on uh, to the things that you see of, of, of the results of, of what it's working. And, and even just in a marketing effort in most agencies, I know that that's a general struggle. What have you found? Um, you know, sometimes I think it's generational or different viewpoints and stuff. You know, um, I know boomers or other generations think it's like I have a personal life and I have a professional life has to be separated. Um, generations like Gen X and millennials and, and Z think differently where it's blurred. It's one me and whole self. So I want to present it all. But I think showing the numbers is a great thing. I like to, what I like to do is show, hey, here's all my engagement on social media. Here's people request because what I use social media for is for career opportunities and professional opportunities. Um, I produce events for business insurance, um, you know, conference, um, webinars, events. I source a lot of speakers. I've sourced clients um, for a membership for and sponsorship for our DNI Institute. So I, so I have results of monetary as well as just opportunities in promoting our brand. So I show those numbers to say, hey, you know, we can go to the future of leveraging social media for what we're doing, or we can stay behind. And we don't want to do that. So I think numbers are always compelling. And if you have testimonials of people saying, man, I love what you wrote or that that got me to go to your event or that made me feel excited about insurance careers. I have I think having a combination of qualitative and quantitative data helps kind of sell that point. So if someone's at a, an agent agency and they're not getting they're getting some feedback about it that's negative. I would say show them the numbers and 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 have that drive the the conversation and say, now that we have the numbers, what's the investment we're gonna make in really having a good personal brand or promoting our agency through social media? Now, again, I, I do think that you might struggle a little bit with confidence, Deidre. I think you might need to just find a little bit more of it somewhere. <laughs> I think you might if we could do something between now and the end of this conversation. But I mean, I, I mean, the thing I'm curious about is, you know, like you said, you've, you've just really just said, forget it. I'm just, I'm going, I'm doing the thing. Don't worry yeah. about it. What was the last time you were actually kind of shaken to the point where you really seriously doubted yourself to think, man, do I, I really, do I really need to like, not just on like, you know, kind of peripheral levels, but something a little more closer to the foundation. What was that thing? And, 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 and how did you maybe kind of talk to yourself out of it? Or, or did you actually just think, oh, maybe I'm right. And I need to re reconsider this. You know, you have the good questions, Joey. Um, I, I always take leaps and bounds. I don't know if that's just who I am, or maybe I'm just, you know, I just like to put myself in risky situations, which is crazy. I'm a risk professional, but maybe that's why I'm good at it. But I mean, I've done that. I'll give you some examples. When I was in college, I was going to school in Los Angeles at Loyola Marymount University, and I went to go visit my cousin at Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, Georgia. Had a great time. I'm like, I want to make a move and leave my home state. And so I had like three weeks to put in the application, get as a recommendation. I did all that stuff, asked my parents, hey, if I transfer, do I have permission for you to like to go to the school? Like, yeah, yeah, we don't really believe you. And I did it and I got in. When I moved, I'll be honest, is when I moved back to California, 
2015, I had to move for personal reasons. I was going to make, make the move, what, I move, move without a job guarantee. I had been applying to places, but I had no job guarantee. But I knew I had faith that one, California was going to be a better place to be for me and my, my family and that I will get a job. Like I'll figure it out, you know, no matter what. So I took the leap. On my last day at that job, I got my job offer, mm. which was um, which was amazing. But, you know, and I say this because even taking this job, every job or opportunity or thing I do, whether it was LinkedIn and having an online presence or taking job opportunities or switching from being a commercial broker to now being a diversity inclusion leader who's advising companies and producing events, like everything's been a leap. I, you know what I do um, to overcome that imposter syndrome? One thing is one, I talk, I look at what I've done. I look at my numbers. Hey, in the last couple of jobs, what have I done that show success from either, uh, you know, hitting marks or, or accomplishments or awards or whatever? I must be a leader or capable because I've done this. And then two, I think if I don't take this leap, will I regret it? And then I'm like, hmm, yeah, well, then I might as well go and try because worst case scenario, I can always be okay. I might not have the same level of, say, success or prestige, but I'll never have a situation where I don't work. No one can outwork me. So, yes, I have doubt. Yes, I take leaps. I probably do this way too many times, and maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. But I just I just have the courage to know that I don't want to live with regret, so I'll just take that leap. Why not? So where are we sitting at on the regret meter right now between coming out of <laughs> selling insurance and being like on the other side of things? Um, you know, cause that's a good, cause, cause I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Joey, but D and I, diversity inclusion is a very, very valuable thing for companies. Um, but not always people, not always do people respect that as a title. Um, they think I get the bias. I get the experience where people think that non quote unquote, non-revenue generating jobs are less important. I know that there comes with pay cuts for that. So it was kind of a confidence and the and thing like, okay, do I really want to switch this? If I'm a broker, I know I'll have a very comfortable life, right? I'll have a good job. I'll travel. I'll make money. Everything's. If I go in this path, I don't know what one if that if, what's the market going to be like for diversity and inclusion. Now we see through the news that there's going to be plenty of opportunities as long as people still struggle in this area. But I don't know what that yeah. path lies. But I do know one thing. One, it will expand my skill set. It will leverage what I'm doing, bring me closer to my passion, which is connecting businesses and people to to solutions to help them reach their goals. And then it will expand my network. I don't know if I would have met you if it wasn't for, for this opportunity or this leap for a lot of people I, I meet now. But And also, lastly, I don't know who else could do this job but me. And I say that because I have the passion. I have the expertise of being a commercial insurance professional. And three, like I have the experience of being a minority on multiple levels um, in the industry. So that's why I was passionate about this. And I took the leap, but I knew that, you know, it's always a risk to try something different, especially when it's a path that's unknown. Yeah, that mindset of like, it's only going to be me or, you know, that's my <laughs> job to lose sort of thing. That's that's a yeah. hard place for a lot of people to get into. But um, is that something that you can can build up to or is that something that you just have to accumulate over time of all of those tiny decisions of, of like kind of that theme that has been slowly developing here of, of getting out of your comfort zone and pushing yourself to just be that thing i think as a talent you have to flex i think kids do it best as we get older and go through certain institutions whether it's school or 
what work or and I say work more from the idea of like you're clocking and clocking out, not really not a career, but a job. But I think different institutions teach us don't take risk, you know, go go a certain path, do this, do that. And so we stop doing that, not thinking that what are we losing? I find that people who successively um, transition jobs tend to do better from a salary, from a from a happiness standpoint when it comes to their career. I also see that people tend to just open themselves up to more opportunities and bigger ones and meet incredible people. So it starts by one, on a weekly basis, list out what risk can I take now to build up my risk flexing skill, whether that's ordering something off the menu you like, you love that menu, you get the same thing, every time. try something different. You know, maybe it's speaking out to somebody that you would never speak to a big. Sometimes I reach out via LinkedIn to people I know I shouldn't be bothering. Like they're too too big for me, but let me at least try to see if I can reach them and ask for some advice to grow my career. So there's multiple things you can do to build it up, but it's definitely a skill you have to flex. But we're born with this as children. We get more afraid as adults, but we have to go back to our instincts and be risk takers. My personal favorite risk to take is buying from like a slightly unknown like online retailer. That's my favorite. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, this might end in identity theft, possible loss of a kidney. I'm not really sure where it's going, but the deal's too good, and I got to give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, and also another technique I do is I surround myself with risk takers. I think your network is the most valuable thing, and that's from personal whatever. If you're around people who live in rich lives, no matter what you define that as, like whether it's work-life balance or success with monetary things or just, you know, whatever, you will get the results you want just by having that positive um, peer pressure. So I, I try to really surround myself by risk takers and people who have lives, big ambitions and are in the weeds trying to get there. Like you don't have to be successful or what we perceive as successful today, but I, I like seeing someone with grind and hustle. And I'm like, I respect that they're going to go someplace. I want to be friends with them or, or at least accountability buddies yeah. because it makes it seem more normal to take risks that are strategic than to not. Well, that's the other thing too. Uh, I mean, you know, the, you are the average of the five people you you know hang out with mm -hmm. the most, sort of thing, right? And and what becomes normal for them becomes normal for you. And if you're around people that you know, complacency is very normal and rampant, almost that kind of gets a little dicey as well. Right. It's all mindset, and there's, I mean, I think it's exercise you can do. I think it's books and knowledge and just trying things out. Um, and and I have a I have a son, and so. With that being said, I know a lot of people put limiting beliefs um, out there because, oh, I have a parent or I have this or this, whatever. And I know there's a lot of restrictions for people who don't have privilege where their social economic status is not there. They don't have family support for child. I know there's different restrictions, but there are still risks we can take now and today to advance ourselves professionally and personally. So I just encourage everyone to do that and own your authentic leadership brand. Because only you can sell or I say advise companies or people on how to protect themselves or advance them to their goals through insurance or whatever you're doing. But you have to own your voice and don't mute it. Now, sometimes you're in environments where companies or organizations don't respect that. Um, and sometimes you have to model that behavior and be the one to show and tell other people, I could be, if I could be myself as successful, you can too. So sometimes you have to be a, a role model, whether you want to be or not. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to draw an outline of a heart in like kerosene and we're going to light the match around <laughs> diversity and inclusion. What is, what's that like? Where are we at with that? Like what's your state of the union on that? What, what should we be paying more attention to? 
Um, right now we're, well, for the insurance industry, I think we're at the point where most people are aware of it, which sounds like only aware, but I think awareness took some decades that at least most companies now have either a program in place or, or key sponsors, executive sponsors who are trying to drive the charge for that. Um, then the really key factor now is to drive it from awareness to action. There are some companies who've been doing um, great things for decades now um, in regards to that and they have good best practices. Others are just starting. But I think now we're at the point where awareness is established. Customers and cli- risk managers and, and customers are asking companies, what are, their, what are their programs? What are their initiatives? What are their numbers for succession planning for the next generation of people? Um, you know, and then diverse numbers. So I think now the question is, are companies prepared to show their numbers and initiatives to customers who demand this of them and of their businesses? Do you ever get to the point where you like, I mean, I don't want you to not have a job, but I mean, what what does that look like when like, when we kind of like, are there simple things like, what's like the one thing that we could be doing that's just really just can make a big, big, big impact to moving that needle? The big thing is to have a culture of questioning the status quo. I think that will remove a lot of bias, a lot of barriers. And I say that because if you're so so use, oh, this is the way we do it. One, you yeah. don't validate whether you have the best process or if it is, you know, hey, we have the best process. The way you uh, select and attract talent is there are different ways and channels you can attract diverse talent. Do you need an actual degree to have this job? A lot of these insurance jobs you don't need degrees for. So why are we requiring that when someone could have said, I had a startup in the successful that area, I want to transition, transition to a different career. And they, and they might have that even better experience, but because they don't check the box, they don't qualify. So I honestly just say have a, a culture of questioning. Um, have a, be, as an individual, what you can do is be open to your network, you know? And I say this because you can mentor people who don't look like you, who aren't like you or whatever, find, you know, where that is, um, to tell people about insurance careers and own that as, a, as an insurance professional. A lot of us say, I work in insurance. We don't say exactly, hey, I help companies and people achieve their goals through X, Y, and Z. By being a brand ambassador for our, our, our industry, you will attract more people. Um, a tip I do, whenever I go to a restaurant and have great customer service, I promote insurance careers and tell my waiter or whoever about that. And a lot of them don't even know about the capabilities, but because I'm like, you have a great customer service track, you can do this. I hopefully am attracting more people to our industry who wouldn't do that. So questioning um, culture, opening your network, um, and promoting the insurance careers to multiple channels is a great way to start that. I um, I met a kid. It feels like a kid. I feel like an old man saying this now. <laughs> uh, at the, the UPS store, I went to go mail a package or something. And I'm like, this is, I kind of wanted to offer him a job. I didn't really have a job to offer him. But I was like, mm-hmm. dude, you should sell insurance uh, because I think you'd be really good at it instead of working here at UPS. Not that, you know, I'm, they do, they do good stuff, I think. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it's curious. Like I'm, I'm glad somebody else, never heard of some, somebody else say that to me. Like I, I watch and pay attention to other people and, you know, kind of try and see the talent that they might have and how it would apply to insurance. And then we have resources. So if you go to business insurance, um, we have a diversity inclusion institute. If you go to diversity inclusion um, institute.com, you can find a whole bunch of resources. We have research that's been done um, with insurance professionals um, talking about what makes an inclusive and, and diverse work environment. We also have a survey open right now 
it's live in which you got anyone in the insurance um, industry can take. And we need these numbers if we want to drive companies um, strategy for not even diversity inclusion, but just for business, marketing trends, talent management, development. And I say everybody do this because the biggest thing I get is, um, I'll be frank with you, Joey, a lot of white men think there's no place for me in diversity and inclusion. Well, the whole idea is to be inclusive. So there's a place for everybody. And I want us to all think about how can we make life and work better for everyone. And so being actively um, participants in research in, in, in local events and then sharing your story is the best way to do that. Those white guys are in it every single time, Deidre. Tell you what. I'm just saying, like, I, I, because I used to be a, um, an employee resource group um, board member and I, we would have events. I was for the Women's Exchange, for the African Heritage Group, and then for um, young professionals. And I'll go to things where I'm like, okay, this dem- this one demographic is not showing up. So whether it's women's yeah. event, there's no men or young people, it's no um, older people. I'm like, where are y'all at? Like, come here because you're needed too. So I think the biggest thing is know that if there's a, a group event for some kind of affinity group, you're still should show up one to learn about something or two to network. Um, and I go to things that don't have anything to do with being a black woman, young person, I'll just go because I want to just learn about what's going on that with that group or learn some best practices. Yeah, you know, and uh, I'm gonna take a risk on this one. I'm curious yeah. to the answer. Because th- so there's just general like, uh, you know, things that people are just naturally interested in for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. Based on the way they were brought up, based on family, based on just gender, anything, right? There's just circumstances that you have been, you just haven't been exposed to certain things for it to be a, yeah. be something that you're interested in. Have you kind of thought like, well, there's there's a reason that this type of group of people is not represented in this space. And it's because of, I guess, tracing it back all the way to the root of the the the, the, the problem. And, and, and if it's just a, a thing that they don't really care that much about, or they just haven't had the, the right exposure to have the opportunities to know that this thing is a great opportunity. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think um, a matter of just, you know, it's, it's organiz- organizations in the past had some, were like kind of like an old boys network. And so that's just yeah. the way things were go- done, um, which I guess, quote unquote, was successful for a while. Now that with demographics changing where there's basically a majority minority that's not really going to cut it so i think it's a part of it whether it was intentional or not that people need to come to terms that you have to change the way you want to do things if you want the best and bright talent and let's be frank the insurance industry has a lot of um just family referrals or nepotism or what do you want to call it and i even say like i'm a second generation insurance professional but i wasn't interested in insurance until after two other careers you know and I mean, I mean, my mom tried, but I just wasn't interested. And so yeah. I think the thing, is, excuse me. No, it's, well, I mean, everybody is second, yeah. second, third generation. It's, it's, I was never, I tried to do everything, but, you know, so it's, I mean, it's very common, right? <laughs> and then now you're now, and now we're here talking on a podcast. So look at I you, so and so. I'm over here having an insurance career that's fun and dynamic. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but no. I, I think that's the thing. Um, but like I said, it's really about inclusive networking um, and and figuring out what to do. There's some great resources. Like I said, there's Diversity Inclusion Institute. Insurance nerds are really good for promoting insurance careers. We have Lead at Any Level, which is great for inclusive um, networking and, and tricks with that. So the thing about that is so many different organizations that already exist dive in as a national or global um, diversity inclusion um, a festival for the insurance community. The thing about it is 
literally go on the internet and search there's stuff out there and just support it and whether it's from just going to the events sharing them with people or monetary but just you know learn because the last thing you want is for your business not to be successful because you're not catering and marketing to the needs of diverse talent and diverse market because demographics are changing so you want to make sure your your customers want to choose you as their agent broker all right dj last question for me yeah what is the thing that you are most excited about as the the opportunities that you have in front of you the risks that you have the potential to take um just the ability that we have to kind of connect and and, and kind of shape the industry moving forward as kind of that new generation like what are you most excited about like of, of all of it that we actually have a legitimate shot of achieving i'm really excited I'm, I'm actually excited about the talent crisis, if, if that makes any sense. I think we have a real shot of achieving some advancement with diversity and inclusion or just even the personal branding of people being authentic leaders because we need to fill jobs. Um, I don't know if there would be so much more pressure if we didn't have this this talent crisis or thing going on, but I'm very excited that one will get more diversity of experience and backgrounds and interests and passions in our industry and that companies are now ready to make some real um, key changes in their corporate structure to allow that, whether it's flexible work schedules, casual dress, just different things going on. So I'm really excited to see how we can empower companies to have inclusive in, in, in this, you know, flexible work environments, but also empower professionals to have strong personal brands and strong authentic leadership so that they can be in a work environment where they can be their best selves and also be role models to other people.